Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? <coughs> yeah, just bang on that a little bit more. You like it when it gets you in the mouth? <laughs> We're I'm sharing good. a microphone tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good, Andrew. Andrew, did I tell you, you know, I know everybody loves to hear about uh, our mixing board escapades, but did I tell you that they specifically had a firmware update regarding the sound pads to increase the volume? It was one of my complaints early on. It was really your chief complaint. Yeah. And and, and it's been fixed now. So when we, when we turn on the, ooh, that's, that's the volume I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, really. Bro, Our first couple of weeks, the, the. Intro and outro music was a little quiet. It it was. It was. Uh, Rode, Australian company, very, very good company. I am just over the moon with their products. We still, by the way, by the way, we still do have a mixing board. Someone reached out to us to purchase our Rodecaster Pro 1 mm-hmm. recently and said, hey, I'm sort of, I've been podcasting. I'm kind of trying to upgrade my equipment. Um, what's your price? I was like, I, I quoted him a price. It was kind of a slamming deal. And he was like, that's great. Um, you know, w- can you tell me anything about using? And I was like, well, why don't you tell me what your setup is? And kind of determined that this thing wasn't going to be for him. I sort of talked him out of buying it. You're um, not supposed to do that. Well, uh, correct. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I just like in talking to this guy, I could just tell like this is not really for you. So what? I'll, here's what I'll tell you. If you're going to record any sort of voice audio with more than one microphone in the same place, then you will get value out of this machine. However, if you're recording a podcast remote, I think that the value is limited. I think that there are probably better options for you. Certainly less expensive options for you, even at the smoking deal I was going to send it to this guy for. And what I will tell you is that if you would like to purchase a piece of 40 and 20 history, (laughs) it's available for sale right now. I I have disinfected it. And ensure that when you message the Instagram Ask for me to respond specifically, and then we can work out a deal. All right. Enough of all that. I will not talk you out of buying our equipment. Enough of all that. Andrew. Andrew, how are you? I'm good. I had a training day today, and it was a little bit longer than was I Was it expected. like that Denzel Washington movie? Very much like it. Uh, I, I Denzel, Den, Denzel yeah. Washington. Den, yeah. Denzel? Do we say I can wrong? never get the emphasis right. Yeah, that happens. Uh, so had a little bit of that today. It was cool, you know. So, but I'm fine now, obviously. <laughs> you made it. I made it. Uh, you know, blood in, blood out kind of thing. <laughs> it's not a big deal, you know, but we're there. Uh, Have you ever seen that movie, Blood in, Blood Out? Yeah. Gosh, man, one of my favorites. It's good. All right, carry on. Uh, but yeah, you know, just plugging away. Nothing really new or exciting in my life. I'm excited, though, that football is back. Oh boy! I didn't like how it started. Oh boy! For for me personally, but 
Oh boy. Generally speaking, I'm glad football's At back. least you didn't spend like $1,500 to go to Atlanta for 36 hours to I'm, experience what happened. I, I, yeah, I'm, I meant to text you that I hope it was more fun to be there than it was to watch. It was. Certainly it was. Yeah, no, we, I had a blast. I had a really good time. I went with a, a dear friend and uh, had a great time because traveling with a, with a friend is fun. But uh, it, that was a rough game. I'll just say that that about it. That was a rough game. I woke up and looked at the score and said, I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about watches tonight. We should get there because we planned. We, we're, we're definitely biting off more than we can chew in an hour. Yeah. You, you know, this is one of those episodes that that sort of we had an episode plan. And then as we were prepping tailspin, it was like, you know, I just don't think we're there. Like, I don't feel good about this. This is going to feel like a sort of a rehash of prior ideas. Um, and so as we were as we were planning this, you know, three weeks ago, which is kind of our planning schedule, we're mm-hmm. about three weeks out. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were planning this, we, kind of <laughs> we, we went back to the whiteboard, which is not a literal whiteboard, uh, went back to the whiteboard. No, it's a butcher block that we keep in the recording studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and revamped this. Revamp this. And I think I think we got to a good place. I feel good about this episode, but in doing so, we almost certainly are going to have to cleave. Yeah. Cleave some portions of the original decided idea. Cause we we hit a whopper. We we have big ideas, and that's maybe our problem. So it all started. It all started when I recently found an article an article uh it was, it's more of a blurb than an article but it was yeah 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 it was prepared by a doctor a doctor named shirley mueller just briefly some background on shirley mueller shirley mueller in addition to being a board certified neurologist and psycho psychiatrist so shirley mueller md Shirley Mueller is also an internationally famous collector of Chinese porcelain. And, you know, as a hobby, she collects porcelain, but as a... Which is weird. That's correct. (laughs) But professionally, she studies collecting. The Uh, human brain. The human brain. And, And specifically, the behaviors and tendencies of collecting. Uh, and, and she's a, a lot of her work. So, so she's written a book on the subject of collecting called, I've got it right. It's just right there. Oh, oh. inside the head of a collector, neuropsychological forces at play. One of the main areas of studies that Miss Mueller has sort of focused in on is a thing called the oddball paradigm. So the oddball paradigm is uh, the study of electrical stimuli in your brain or the study of uh, electrical uh, phenomena in your brain upon seeing something new, novel, odd, and, and or not. Or not. Correct. Correct. And, and so what Miss Mueller, Dr. Mueller, has done is she's created some categories 
of different types of collectors. So folks that focus in on what, what, like the novel Mm -hmm. folks that are perhaps focus on the deal, right? Right. The, 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 the value kind of like Mm -hmm. the way we collect Mm -hmm. the, the history of it, the historical significance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and, and organizational collectors, collectors. Mm -hmm. So bottom line, like I collect number one Phillips screwdrivers, (laughs) (laughs) only number one (laughs) at the end of the day. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. It, it's it's really interesting stuff because I think in some really real ways, probably most of the people listening to this show are are, are going to relate to a lot of the things she's talking about in, in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. However, however, her, I, I did not feel in reading through some of the the big broad stroke categories that she talks about. And there'll be a link to this little blurb in the show notes, which will be just enough for you to sort of figure out who she is, figure out who you, who she's, what she's talking about. And, and you can decide if you want to sort of go deeper. Um, <laughs> but in identifying these categories, these people, I thought, you know, that, that you're close, you're close, but you didn't really, you didn't really get there for me. Because watch people are different. Because watch people are different. So what we did, what we did, and what we're going to do for you tonight is we're going to, we're going to redefine these categories. We're going to create some categories of watch collector. Informed by the field's leading expert in the psychology of collecting. (laughs) Perhaps indirectly informed. (laughs) By Shirley Mueller, MD, <clears throat> expert in Chinese porcelain, and we're gonna get a C and D after this. I'm sure <laughs> the neuropsychology of collecting. Yeah, we, we're almost certainly we're we're basically honorary degree holders at this point. Yeah. No, I mean a cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's possible. Find uh, my address. It's what up? Either a C and D or or honorary degrees. No middle ground. <laughs> So do we want to just label them and then define them? Or do we want to go one through five, label, define? Yeah, you know, I think we start at the top and we just talk about it. I think there will be some excitement for you at home in waiting, in waiting to hear what the next category is. I can dig that. So we've got five categories. Mm-hmm. We've got five categories. And 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 after we're done, we're going to kind of place ourselves. But But as you listen through, I want you at home, in your car, wherever you are, to place yourself, I, I want to know what you, what you, what type of collector, watch collector you consider yourself. Mm-hmm. You can message us. And when I say I want to know, I don't really, maybe I don't really want to know. We want you to know. <laughs> it's about personal exploration and self-discovery. <laughs> Why don't you start us off? Category number one. So we have five categories that are, there, there's nuance in these because some of these are going to, they're going to have overlap, but really important important distinguishing factors category number one the pokemon trainer yes gotta catch them all yeah it's it's self-explanatory right right this and, and i and i think that this is almost the step one of 
all watch collecting journeys, which mm-hmm. is why it's category number one. Mm-hmm. Some people leave it and move on to other categories. Mm-hmm. Some remain. Yeah, some some remain. This is this is the guy that as a kid had like fifteen different colors of swatches, mm-hmm. and, and and now as an adult has seven colors color seven dial colors of SKX. He has them all because more is always better. More is more. More is more. Almost to the point where he doesn't care what he's acquiring because he just wants it. He or she, let's be fair. Right. That where they don't care what they're acquiring because they just want it. I don't care if I have every color of SKX. This is a J model black. This is a non J model black. Mm -hmm. They're different sort of. And I want them. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, And there's justifications too, right? This person is, very inclined to come up with a reason for why they need this thing that is very similar to other things they have. Virtually identical. Yeah, yeah. The, and there's, and there's, uh, I think in, in the, <laughs> the, the... The J model, that's a good... That was, but I think in the development of the Pokemon trainer, they become far more appreciative of the tiniest details. The fine details, yeah. The, the, yeah. the, the, the J model, which is why that came to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. Because though it's identical to the non-J model, it's not. Because there's a J in the reference. S- suffice to say, the mature Pokemon collector does not sell a lot of watches. <laughs> Even the immature Pokemon collector does not sell a lot of watches. Yeah. This is a person who acquires, acquires, has a a, a true library mm-hmm. of watches and that is the joy that is yeah. the joy for the pokemon collector is the library look at my library of watches and they reasonably know that there's no reason to have that many mm-hmm. we've got some friends we've but got for some, that they want it we've yeah. got some friends of the show who are the pokemon collector uh but their organizational skills leave something i'm just gonna say joe the drawers drawers mm-hmm. are maybe not the best solution do do That's your preservation, man. Do, do your collection justice, and put them in. You know, put them in a, a, a some sort of a, like there are cascading big, tower. There of, are big box stores going out of business all the time. Get some of those spinning pylons that mm-hmm. sit out front the Walmart jewelry Ooh, section. Yes. That would be dope. Yes, yes, that's right. Cat like uh, what? What are they? What do they call those? Uh, the display cases. Yeah, get get the Casio display case. Get the one you can get ones with doors on them, so mm-hmm. you're going to mitigate any kind of exposure to the elements. You could even get the locking ones, where they store like the seventy dollar watch. I'm there for this. I'm there. That for That would be. I might I might get one like a small one, like one of the countertop display ones, and mm-hmm. just put it here in the in the studio. I'm there for it. That's fantastic. So, uh, in, in the, the, this is our first stage. You'll you'll see we're going to. We're going to increase the nuance. Mm-hmm. We're going to decompress the nuance as we go. I think that there are a few different categories of of the the Pokemon trainer. However, we're going to leave it there. Because there's an evolution within it, right? There's, perhaps there's nuance and there's depth to all these. But because we have a limited amount of time, you know, as as mandated by our producers, mm-hmm. we can't go fully into each of these. Mm-hmm. 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 Category two. 
category two. This is the thoughtful curator. Mm -hmm. These are the folks that, these are the folks that are known to, are are known to sell watches, are known to sell watches, Mm -hmm. but that is not really their primary focus. They are thoughtfully curating a collection of watches. Um, Oftentimes there's a theme. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes there are trends in their collection. The thoughtful curator may be into space watches, for instance. Mm -hmm. They may be into, uh, they may be into like vintage watches. I think a lot of vintage watch collectors fall into this category. And I, and I think most sales are in support of an acquisition. Mm -hmm. They're not like, Man, we'll get this one out the door. We'll get this one out the door. Mm-hmm. They're almost like regretful. Yeah. Right? yeah like right. I, I have to part with this in order to make this thing possible. That's that it's every purchase is really deliberate. That makes divestment a challenge in order to create that perfect, you know, whatever it is, three, five, ten full library of, you know, take your pick for that theme mm-hmm. or for that idea there's a, there, there's there's like a philosophy behind the a clear philosophy the collection that's yeah. right and, and this person oftentimes you know we, when, I, when i think of this collector i think of someone like jason heaton mm-hmm. i think jason heaton is a famous thoughtful collector right there is a definite theme to his watch collection uh and and, and it's a lovely connection collection uh, but you can tell, you can tell that he's been really deliberate about finding watches and getting rid of watches that, that maybe fill the same void. He is thoughtfully curating his collection. I think even of, of Luke's G-Shock collection. Yeah. Well, <laughs> which is a little bit closer to Pokemon trainer, but there's yes. still a lot of diligence. Speaking in of Instagram celebrity, Luke Albert, yeah. if, if you don't know who's got, I think probably one of the top. Let's just say, let's just say conservatively one of the top 10 G-Shock collections in the world. Behind only Casio. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, and he, frankly, it may be, it may be a, a, a smaller company than that, but, you, you know, a really, really incredible collection. Uh, yeah, no, I think that he sort of straddles that line. Mm-hmm. But that's where we say the nuance. That's right. That's right. Now... Category three, a bit of a flip side to that coin. Yes. Similar, but very different. Mm-hmm. Category three is our butterfly catcher. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, you could thank Andrew for that category name. And it's it, a good one. And, and, and here's my idea of, of the butterfly catcher. It's you you got to put a lot of effort into catching a butterfly, whether by hand or by net. Because they're pretty spry. But there's always a lot of butterflies out there. And there's no reason in particular why just a person with a net catches that butterfly. Besides, that's the one I targeted. And the butterfly catcher is somebody who is deliberate mm-hmm. in what they catch. Because you got you to put some effort into catching a butterfly. Mm-hmm. You can't just throw a net around. It's not as deliberate as the hunting and searching and researching of the curator. Mm -hmm. It's, I see that one, I like that one, I want that one, 
Now I have to catch that one, and now it's mine. And I think between categories two and three, the curator and the and the butterfly catcher, you're going to have similar sized collections. Probably. Those two people with the same, you know, all other things being equal are going to have very similar sized collections, but the collections are going to be drastically different. Drastically different. With a curator, you've got something that makes sense. You see it, it makes sense. And then with the butterfly catcher, you you look at this <laughs> this what am I looking at this this what is this watch box yeah this this train wreck of a collection that that is is really unique really personal it shows kind of a trajectory of collecting it shows a trajectory of taste and of desires but it also shows none of that because no two watches are even remotely similar hmm. none of them make sense with one another and it's like what how are these two did you really buy both of these <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it looks like a yard sale table yeah that's right <laughs> or like like the jewelry box at a goodwill there, there's just no rhyme or reason to the acquisitions and not but to, that they liked them and they deserved to buy them because they wanted them. And and not to distinguish between categories too much at this point, because we can do more of that later. But I think it, it, again, in comparing the, the butterfly catcher and the curator, you've got, you, you know, I have an image of these two. So the, the thoughtful curator either has a couple of like polished sort of burl wood watch boxes or, you know, maybe like a pelican case if they're outdoorsy right but the 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 case is like like tight and put together mm -hmm. the butterfly catcher maybe has like a, a drawer a, a drawer with socks for padding <laughs> or perhaps like a towel laid out on top of yeah. their dresser uh yeah I, I mean there's a difference in the way they collect right the the, the butterfly catcher kind of frenetic and frantic perhaps the 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 thoughtful curator a little bit more deliberate yeah yeah i'm thinking of the butterfly catcher as just this lusty like yes just <laughs> like an animalistic attack on i want it i like it give me it and i will work for it category four i, I actually uh i actually regret the fact that we didn't come up with a better name for this one as we we're about to say it but with the name, we, we have the name we have, and and so we're going with that. This category, also, uh, 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 this category casually, perhaps temporarily, referred to as, I think this is the one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <was> so firm. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> no, well done. <laughs> so, ca so category four, our, our category four collector. This this person typically has a pretty small collection. Mm -hmm between two and five watches at any given time. Mm -hmm. And every time they get a collection and they're wearing it, they get, they get the itch. They're like, you know, I've just, this isn't it. This isn't it. I thought this might be it, but it's not it. They put everything on Reddit. They sell it and they buy the new one and they get the new one and they say, I think this is the one. Mm -hmm. And that lasts for exactly 47.3 hours. That's that's scientifically proven. At which point the entire collection goes back on Reddit. Yes. This person is not 
motivated perhaps to make money they're constantly looking for the one and 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 every time they get a new watch nearly every time they've decided i did it i'm there and that moment is so fleeting you can see it from 100 miles away we know we know several people i would say mhm We all know several of these people. That's right. Because they get it. And you're happy for them. They're happy. Guys, I finally did it. I think this is the one. This is it. That's perfect. (laughs) They're just smitten. Fully in love. Mm -hmm. They send you pictures. They post beautiful pictures on Instagram. Yes. They gush over the watch. Yes. And then you're scrolling watch exchange. Like, hey, motherfucker. <laughs> yes. You're dumping it that quick? Yes, 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 yes. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I didn't connect with it. Yeah. Like, I didn't connect with it. This is the Tinder guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, is- and, and, and these folks <clears throat> oftentimes will have the same watch in their collection two or, or three times almost always lose money and lose money in their transactions because they're in such a hurry that they take that low ball deal. Yeah. Because they just need to get to the next thing. They're confident that at some point that watch is going to come in. It's going to be the one. Yeah. And then the, you know, the fourth time it comes through the collection and by that point you've lost enough money to have paid for it once. Still not it. <laughs> You, you know, and I think we should say at this point, Andrew, I think neither one of us really relate to this type of collector. Um, but there is something to be said for that type of collection. These people experience more watches yeah. than just about anybody else in the world. You know, they've mm-hmm. had every brew. They've yeah. had, you, you know, you, you know, you, you you name it, right? All the they've cool had Seiko all. divers. Yeah several omegas i mean this person has had you know perhaps perhaps a rolex or two over time um a good amount of vintage watches that's right at at a different price point this this person might be you know rolling through paddock or whatever this person gets to experience so many fucking amazing watches and and there's something to be said for that Mm -hmm. oh absolutely this none of these categories are meant to be disparaging in any way correct that i think this is the one is maybe the maybe the one we're speaking the most uh ooh, i'm looking for a word it's not derogatory disparaging disparaging yeah Yeah. that's the word but because it's the one we can relate the least to i I think actually i i think our next category actually is for me is that one yeah because fuck this guy yeah (laughs) the day trader this is the reason you can't buy smiths from the website category five yes category five the day trader he's the reason you can't buy smiths at retail He's the reason you can't buy the moon swatch at retail. And these are the folks who are collecting purely in my mind for the financial gain. These are the watch flippers, the guys who see something that's going to be valuable because it's a limited inventory. It's a limited edition. It's a serialized, take your pick. They see the opportunity. They want the watch because everyone wants to watch. They probably very much love watches. They're doing this 
adamant appreciation for watches, but they recognize the value proposition in watch flipping. This Most person, industries have a flipping industry. Yes. That's just the way it goes. And they're, they exist because we let them exist. But these are the guys who buy a watch, maybe even before it's shipped to them, already have it listed on eBay. This person has spent more time on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist than mm-hmm. anybody else you know. They have alerts that ping their phone multiple times a day for multiple search terms. Uh, they are always, always looking for a bargain. And because of that, they tend to have money. And be more plugged in than most of us because the amount of attention it takes to make any reasonable amount of money in the watch flipping industry Mm. is enormous. Any flipping industry, you have to be constantly on your phone waiting for drops, designing or building out bots for purchases, have a a pretty good pile of liquid capital to be able to make it worth it. And also understand what the market's doing. I mean, those guys who stockpiled SARBs right before they went out of inventory made a killing. Yeah. Good for them. But also fuck them because... Yeah, the, the, this person this person has had at this point several moon swatches. They were on that. They were on that. Uh, All they did was Q change Timex. the shipping label. They were on that Q Timex on the release. Mm-hmm. They wait for Hodenki to drop a new limited edition. So they, they oftentimes make money. Occasionally they take a hit, but very occasional. Very so because occasional. so they, they're also very discerning in what is going to be worth the investment. Yeah. Right, you know these these Hodinkee collaborations. They're ready to go. Smiths, when they come out, they're ready to go. They've got their bots set up. They they're just they're ready to go. They're on it. They they have their finger on the pulse of the industry, and they are capitalizing on the opportunity. So good for them. They just make it harder for the rest of us to get the things that we want. So there you have it. These are those are the five categories. That is mostly set in stone. Although we are taking we are taking suggestions to rename the fourth category. We may not take any of your suggestions, and it may stay still to review the five categories of watch collector: Pokemon trainers, two thoughtful curators, three the butterfly catchers, four. I think this is the one. Five the day traders. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. That's the scientifically proven, backed by, you know, meaningful data categories. So you, you may, just, just a, a preview, you, you may find yourself thinking, well, I'm kind of more this, but, but also some of this, that's fine. Right? Right? You, you may have tendencies that fall into, into multiple categories and and that's okay but you can by way of utilizing our five-step program Mm -hmm. identify what type of collector you are and and ultimately become a better human being i think certainly more informed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm um andrew can can we uh can we i don't have that sound effect on the board how 
I don't know. I, I do have, I have this. It's not exactly applicable. It's not even kind of. Uh, I, I, oh, wait, wait. No, that's not really it either. It's not quite it, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's okay. Uh, can we just, can we stop for a minute and, and back away, and back away from our new, our new baby? And, and perhaps, I think, I think the best way for us to sort of move forward with this conversation is for us to back up and review the states of our collections today. Mm. Mm-hmm. So perhaps we'll, we'll go through this quickly because this is not the topic of today's episode, but I think it's a good place for us to transition here. Now, now that we've developed the, the five categories of watch collector, mm-hmm. we've shared those with you, the world. Let's, let's back up. Tell me where your collection is at today. Okay. <clears throat> so as of today, my collection is sitting at an Atlas, a C63, mm-hmm. a commuter, a Nemo. Give, give, us, give us the full name. Some, this is, yeah. yeah some uh, okay, okay. Maybe uh, brand uh, new to watch. A, a Monta Atlas, mm-hmm. a Christopher Ward C63 automatic, a Traska commuter, an EMG Nemo, a Timex Q Timex, a Seiko Alpinist, two crown, a Sarb, a, a Seiko Sarb. Oh, a Sarb 035. An 035. A Seiko SSB 031. The, the, the 40 and 20 chronograph. The, the f- official Seiko has agreed to this. <laughs> a Islander 38 Diver, one of the SKX reduced. The 0013s. Mm-hmm. A Relio Solstice. A Casio watch. World Timer. It is a fun watch. I love mm-hmm. that case a lot. But as I said in my review, the color just is a slight miss for me. A Seiko Recraft, one of the squares. I don't remember the uh, reference on it. The green, the green yeah, the gilt. Gr- the green Recraft, gilt yeah. square. I have it on mesh and it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a F91, a common Dursky with a racing bezel, mm. mm-hmm. a Seiko SNK, an Orient Bambino, Casio calculator, a Citizen Avion, a DW5600 with steel case and bracelet, yeah, which is dope, yeah, a Timex Ironman. A 5600, now back on OEM because I broke a spring bar, had to take it off the Haviston. Oh, boy. And then put a new spring bar in it on the OEM. Turns out, actually, if you use a size bigger, if you use an 18-millimeter spring bar, everything fits together better. So oh. I think I think I maybe fucked up the case. Mm. Um, but it fits and it works. And uh, as it turns out, I also do still have an Orient Mako, which didn't make the picture when I took my state of the collection because it wasn't at my house and yeah. hasn't been for some time. Totally forgot that it was there. Hmm. It was not there. That's maybe how I should put it. <laughs> okay. No red flags, no star clusters up that there was a missing watch, which is m- maybe an indicator of a problem. Okay. Okay. So so that is how, how many watches right now? <sighs> I don't like when people. Ask me that. Yeah, that's that's okay. It, it, let me ask you another 4, question. 8, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Is that the entirety of your collection? Y- yeah. Yeah, okay. 
so far as I know, I mean, there could be, uh, evidently I can be missing a watch and not know. So I, I've got 18 watches that I'm going to share with you. I, I will also represent to you at home. There are about 12 watches in my collection that aren't going to make this list. And because they're just sort of random, one-off, most of them are inexpensive. They're just watches I don't wear very often. And so I'm kind of... That's, that's cheating. That's like the second collection. That's like the sub-collection. No. So I'm going to give these folks at home my prime collection. These are the watches that are getting worn regularly day-to-day. So from the top, my 1996 Titanium JDM Casio MRG. Blech. My white bezel GWM 5610G shock. One of a kind. <laughs> My Solaps purchased mm-hmm. in person um, at Windup NYC. I've got my SKX 007 on a bracelet, of course. I've got my Casio AMW 320 Gold Diver Casio Arnie. I've got my Divex, my my Divex sort of 500 tuna cased white label dive thing that's weird and I just love. Also with the uh, EMG Nemo, I've got a Vostok Amphibia mod. My 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 uh, what what did we decide that the name of that the Dostok, yeah, uh, mod. I've got a Notice Sector Skin Diver. I've got a Seiko King Seiko, the new King Seiko for my collection that many of you have asked me about. Um, I've got my Monta Triumph. I've got a Hamilton Khaki Mechanical. Seiko SNK. I have got my Pulsar G10. I've got my HKED 1963 chronograph. I've got my FA18 Swiss Army Valju 7750 chronograph. I've got a Speedmaster and and not pictured my Hamilton Khaki Aviation automatic. Mm, mm-hmm. So 19 watches, give or take. Um, and, and so this experiment, so we're not going to talk about all these in detail, but, but this is meant to just sort of give you an idea of where we're at with the collection, what's going on with the collection, um, and, and, and kind of give us a place to transition now. So, so you guys have heard about most of these watches. I mean, for me, there's a couple new ones, the King Seiko, the Khaki aviation pilot um this is meant to give you like kind of a cornerstone for the for the next section of our show which is for us to summarize our lessons learned Mm -hmm. in collecting um because i think our i think our lessons learned are pretty discreet so without without being too on the nose looking at your collection today, that state of the collection that you've just read to these kind folks, um, what, what kind of takeaways do you have? What are your lessons learned, Andrew? I, I think it's, for me, as I, as I look at this collection, it's kind of a telling of the trajectory of the industry 
Which is to say that I have been doing a lot of industry influence uh, in that people are now making watches that I want in the future. Right? You know, we, we start with the Citizen Avion, right? Which is a, was my first deliberate watch. Purchase. That was your watch. That was your first watch. Big. Simple. It's got cool technology. And then I moved on to the Mako. Also a little big, but a diver. And this is in 2018. Thereabouts, yeah. Like 17, 18 zone. When divers were the thing. It was the watch. Dive watches. And it probably, I mean, but let's be, let's be, let's be honest. It still is today. It still is today, but, but that's kind of when the flavor of the very like burgeoning kind of coming to in, into, into its own, into adulthood, small brand industry. Everyone started with a dive watch. Microbrand was meant, meant diver. Yeah. And then, Microbrands realized people want more than just divers and really started pushing out, right? Then, you know, I have the SSB, something cool in, in, in the way of a Mecha Quartz, also in the way of a, not a home, not, not, not an homage, but certainly a similarity, right? It's the poor man's speedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was the it, for us at, mm-hmm. at the time we recorded the poor man's Speedmaster episode. It it is, and I think it remains so. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a cool technology, reliable technology, attractive watch, and you're not going to drop forty five hundred bucks on the low end, that's it, right? We're we're looking at sub two hundred dollars. Yeah, I think they're one hundred and twenty one dollars on Amazon still, and they're just great. They're, they're just they're great, awesome. I love them. And then there's kind of a smattering, kind of butterfly catching in the way of what do I want? What do I like? You know, I have the SNK in the way of a small watch. I'm like, oh, this works. Mm-hmm. I like this. Let's try a SARB. Let's try like a sport watch feel. Mm. And that's kind of like the SARB was kind of a, a turning point for me where I was like, oh, this is what I want. I want a small sport watch. And everything after that has been that. Everything in between has been kind of trying things out, dipping my toes in the water. Is this what I want? Is this what I want? It's all been refining the things that I like, the things that I want, trying new things and realizing this is what I like in a watch. That's sterile bezel. Yes, I want. Sporty. Sporty. Small, simple thing. on a bracelet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, and so, or I, I, just one comment about your collection because you really haven't ever sold a watch. No, I don't do that. You haven't sold. A watch. I will throw one away before I sell it. I can, from your collection, identify myself i won't but from your collection i can identify a handful of watches probably three to five watches that um 
I think you could part with reasonably. I I know that there's a number of reasons why you you don't part with those watches, and, and I'm not I'm not attempting I'm not trying to say you should sell those, but I can identify a number of watches in your collection that you probably don't really wear enough to justify owning. I think do we you, could we would identify the same eight. Yeah. Do do you do you as you sit here today, um, have have you learned anything, um about yourself and the way you collect that um, might might cause you to make different choices in the past? Or are you are you satisfied with your collection where it is, even with those five unidentified watches? Um, I am super satisfied with those purchases. And it's and, and the reason I won't part with them and why I'm so satisfied with those purchases is because they represent to me the trajectory, mm. right? This is where I started. They tell the story. They tell the story, mm. and 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 with that, I think I I think I would identify primarily as the curator. I, I think so. That's where I would probably put you. And. Although there's a there there's a, it's a bit I think it's a bit of a of a, the no selling of watches I think is a bit of a what what what's the word I'm looking for it it doesn't quite fit in the the thoughtful curator but I think I think that shows the journey to get there right I started as the Pokemon trainer mm-hmm. as we all do mm-hmm. and then a little bit butterfly catcher. Mm-hmm. Right, like I'm just gonna reach out. I want that. I'm gonna grab that. That's mine. Like, okay, well now I have this. It's not quite what I expected, or what I wanted, or it turns out it's it is what I wanted, but it's no longer what I want. And those steps all led me to what I think would become the curator. Right, I know mm-hmm. exactly what I want, and there's not exactly a theme mm-hmm. behind my. I think with your last sort of seven or eight watch purchases, I can identify a pretty... There, there, yeah, there's a theme. There's certainly diversity. Mm-hmm. But it's led me that being that butterfly catcher and the Pokemon trainer helped me get to knowing exactly the things that I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's no regrets, but my... my no regrets. No regrets. The lesson learned is... It's okay to be the, the trainer and it's okay to be the butterfly catcher. There's nothing wrong in those things. And it's also okay to move away from that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, it's interesting. I, I think, I think my lessons learned are pretty similar to yours. You, you know, I also haven't sold a lot of watches. I think we're both kind of on record as saying, you know, I really, I, I, I spend so much time getting there that once I get it, I, you know, I know, I know before I purchase the watch that this is something that I'm really interested in having in my collection. There are very few sort of impulse buys. And and, and frankly, the, the, the watches that I have bought that were impulse C are, are the ones that are most likely to be sold. I have sold more watches than you um by a lot because you're at zero and and you're I'm not. And, and I'm not so infinitely more watches. But I've sold, you know, I think at this point nine or ten watches. Um, I think what I've learned is that a, I make better decisions when I take my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and furthermore, but you had some really good impulse pickups. I, I have, I have, but, 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 but furthermore, 
I have, uh, I know what I want. I know what I want. You, you know, I look back, some of my earliest watch purchases, that Casio AMW320, I did not spend a lot of money on that watch. Um, and, and I knew what I was getting. I bought that watch. I I wear that that hundred, you know, seventy five to a hundred dollar watch. I wear it maybe once every other week, uh, which you know you heard the list. Uh, the, I have a lot of watches, and I have a lot of really great watches. I wear that seventy five dollar Casio all the time, it, and and it's cool to me in a way that maybe some people won't relate to, but like. This is the kindergarten cop watch. This is a watch that's been in 8 billion movies and TV shows. It's everywhere. It I just I love this watch. I it's a I mean it's a comfortable watch. It's a good-looking watch. But but just aside from that, it is this like sort of bizarrely cool, neat and or significant watch. And so I think it fits in my collection. I will never sell that watch cuz it doesn't make any sense to sell it cuz it's it's not worth anything. But I also because I love it. You know, transitioning, I won't go through these one by one, but, you know, my my G-Shock, my white mm-hmm. GWM 5610, you know, I, I that was a journey to get there. I had to buy multiple watches. I had to combine those watches. Love that watch. Titanium G-Shock. <sighs> I looked for years for yeah. that watch. I got it, and I love it, and I love it. Speedmaster, obviously. I had to literally get by, hit by a car to buy that watch. Um, you, you know, these watches I all spent time on, um, and the triumph is a watch that you have been seeking for four years. Yeah. Yeah. Since the very first time I tried one on Mm -hmm. the very first time I saw a picture of one, I was like, that's a dope watch. And now I own it and I wear it twice a week. Probably that, that is the watch I wear more than any other watch. Um, that's that's 7750 FA18 is a watch that nobody's ever seen, nobody cares about. Nobody really even likes it. It's got that weird sort of Breitling-ish bezel, that that brushed steel bezel. I I, I love that. <laughs> my pulse my pulse They did RG, Breitling better than Breitling. Yeah, that's right. My Pulsar G10, that's a watch that that nobody likes. Even G10 people don't like that watch, right? Um you, you know, but it's like Prince Harry wears it and fucking A, I, I can wear it if Prince Harry can wear it. There's a lot of things that Prince Harry can do that you would like to do. <laughs> My soul labs. Look, um, I'll just say it. I am a butterfly catcher. Mm-hmm. I'm a butterfly catcher. There's no doubt in my mind in our categories, I'm a butterfly catcher. These watches are weird. They have very little to do with one another. They span all sorts of... Uh, decades value level years styles sizes two of my very favorite watches that amw 320 and my pulsar g10 both get regular wear they are 45 and 35 millimeters respectively a full centimeter in between them in terms of size and And when you wear it a centimeter is a lot and i can wear them almost interchangeably same outfit Mm -hmm. same same activity, you, you know, so th- if there is a theme for me, if there is a theme for me, I think it's a, a, a sportiness. There's a sportiness. I don't have very many dressy watches, um, but I, I don't think that's all that atypical in terms of watch collecting today. Did you sell your Sarb? I, I did sell my Sarb. 
I did. Probably about a year ago. Really? Correct. Hmm. Correct. Uh, that's not true. It wasn't a year ago. It was in March. I sold it to... Might as well be a year. I sold it to Instablame. Oh. He owns it, and he has promised to keep it and and to give me a right of first refusal on it. So it's only kind of sold. It's sold. He owns it. Yeah, for now. <laughs> okay, so we've we've decided the categories of watch collector. We've updated our state of our collection for the purpose of placing ourselves. I think we've agreed you are more thoughtful curator. I'm it's, tending towards there, right? I'm transitioning from the butterfly catcher to a curator. I am firmly in butterfly catcher territory. And I think you'll remain there. Uh, oh, yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. That is mm -hmm. the collection I want. I want that eclectic, obscure collection for sure. So when we were building out these categories, we had four initially, and I put forth a fifth as the butterfly catcher mm -hmm. with Everett in mind, who didn't <laughs> appropriately fit in any of the other four categories because you are a careful curator of disaster. That's right. Right. You, you find the things that you want, right? You, you're maybe butterfly hunter would be a better term, right? You look for that diamond in the rough. Yeah. Amongst all the other butterflies. Yeah. And you see it and there's not really any reason why you want that butterfly more than the dozen others that surround it. Yeah. But you'll want that one. Yeah. And, and, and to continue with your diamond in the rough, uh, oftentimes sort of Ali Ababwa <laughs> type watches, right? Watches that are not terribly expensive, but are, but look pretty cool and have, uh, you know, I can't remember any of the number of things he had in that parade, but uh, <laughs> all of them, you, you know, these some sometimes kind of wild. Oftentimes people describe the watches that I love the most as ugly. But yeah, the, the G-Shock is a is a schmushmorshan. Not going to be for everybody. Let's just say uh, and, and that's OK with me. Right. I, I'm OK with that <laughs> because because in part, these watches are interesting because of those things. And and if if I can add one last thing that separates the butterfly catcher from the curator. The G10 was what if if you if you didn't have to pay for international shipping for it. Mm -hmm. I think it was 120 bucks something like that. Okay. This sits in the same regular wear rotation as Speedmaster Pro. Correct. Yeah, I wear them probably almost exactly the same amount. So does a Solab. Yeah, Solab. Yeah, I wear okay. I wear that watch constantly. Those three watches don't belong in the, <laughs> same, in the same box. The same photograph. Never mind the same box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's right. That's right. No, no themes whatsoever to be had here. And then you throw in the titanium G. It's just like, what the fuck? Andrew, I'm confident we've done it. I'm confident that uh, we've probably changed the, the conversation about watches uh, irreparably. I'll say not to, to be a little bit uh, uh, to, to, to be a little bit uh, humble about it. We're disruptors. 
we're disrupting the industry. Um, with that said, with that said, having done it once again, once again, other things. Ooh, what do you got? I have another thing. I knew you did. It's maybe a homage. Other thing. Sure, we're so, we're 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 gonna just we're gonna hang our principles up tonight. Yeah. So my other thing is silicone baking mats, and and the brand that I'm using right now. Let's go. Are we gonna call it a brand? The thing that I'm using right now. <laughs> it's from the Amazon, and, and and to be clear, not from Brazil. No, it's from Germany. Okay. But I bought it on Amazon. It's called M.M. Matt. Matt. Silicone baking mats. Best German silicone set of two. (laughs) Can you tell me, can you just describe what this looks like to me? Seventeen dollars fifty nine cents. Now, <laughs> here's here's the thing. They look exactly yeah, yeah, like Silpat silicone baking mats. Is Silpat being the, the most famous the silicone baking mat? That's right. But I, as a collector, as a thoughtful curator, <laughs> take pride. And getting a good deal, yeah. Which is one, which is one of the collecting tendencies that Miss Mueller, Doctor Mueller, identifies. Mm-hmm. Right, folks that take pride in getting a value. And I'm also on first purchase, willing to risk getting something shitty before I finally buy the good thing. Buy once, cry once is my motto in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Buy nice, not twice. <laughs> not so much. I will buy twice. Yeah. Because I want to test the things that are trying to do the thing that the, the, the pinnacle of the industry is doing. Because I think there's a lot of examples of not the brand doing it as good as I need the brand to do it. You know, I think something I've noticed with both of us, the more disposable or contemporaneous a product is, the more likely we are to buy something less than the best. Yeah. The the buy it for life ideal is only applicable to situations where the thing may actually last for life. Now, that's not true with all things, but... With most things, if this is a disposable item, I'm less likely to spend more mm-hmm. on something sl- incrementally nicer. I'm not buying Red Wing boots. So I fuck up my boots. Yeah. I I destroy them. If I buy Red Wings, if I buy Loa's, if I buy Danner, if I buy Columbia... I will exhaust the life in that boot in the same amount of time. I'm 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 gonna take on bridge, but I'll leave it at that. Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna put the miles on it. 
Now, some of those I can resole. But generally speaking, I'm going to do the same damage to them. So knowing that Silpat is the pinnacle in the industry, the original, arguably the best. $34 on Amazon. No, oh, $28 on Amazon. Doesn't matter. More than M.M. M. Matt silicone baking sheets. Matt. Matt. German silicone. <clears throat> Which is probably not German. Probably not. Yeah. It's German. It's best German silicone. So I got a two pack for $17.59. It's Journeyese. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. And immediately out of the box, one of the things that I've noticed when I look at silicone baking mats, like when I've seen them in store and put my hands on them, I'm like, mm, these are kind of like this. I understand silicone, I understand it's heat resistant, but this is like not gonna do it. This is what I'm looking for. These are thick. Mm, that's how I like them. They're pliable, mm. but also rigid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You're talking my language. They're the same specs as Silpats. Did you get half sheet size or quarter I sheet? I got half sheet size. Half sheet. Perfect. Because I have half sheets. If you haven't bought half sheets at the recommendation of Everett mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. many moons ago, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what you're doing. Get your half sheet aluminum baking but pans. But I have half sheet aluminum baking pans. Nordicware, if you're if you're pro, I got them from the Amazon because when I went to Cash and Carry, which which is now Restaurant Supply or Chef Supply, sure they were they had every other size but not half sheets. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. I did find Thai basil. I had to buy five pounds. You would not believe the size of bag that five pounds of basil is. <laughs> um, but I needed Thai basil, and that's where I could find it. So these so far have held up in hot ovens. And I would think so at 1759, so that puts them at like 890-ish per sheet. They're going to last for a year. Total lifespan between the two of them lasts for a year. In a year, I go through more than $18 in aluminum foil and parchment paper for the purpose of baking. They are super easy to clean. Rinse them off. You just wipe them with a sponge, and they're clean. They don't take up space in your trash. You roll them up. You throw them in with your pans. If you're not, if you haven't tried silicone mm-hmm. baking sheets before, get yourself an mmm pat. Get yourself an aluminum or, or a silicone baking sheet. It doesn't have to be mmm pat. Try them. This has changed my oven game. Because how often do your kids want taquitos for lunch? And you're like, fuck. I don't want to get a pan dirty. I have to get a pan dirty. Either I have to spray it or use, you know, 13 inches of aluminum foil to cover my pan. You throw that down. You throw it in the oven. You pull the stuff off of it. And then later in the day, when you remember, oh, I need to rinse and clean that, you just... Take the whole unit, pan and sheet, throw it in the sink, wipe it, throw it back in the oven like we all do because that's where all of our pans live. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm, I'm intrigued I, as a as a longtime user of a soap hat. I, I, I appreciate a budget soap hat. 
Um, performance is good. It sounds like thus far. I think it's a great pickup. No weird odors. No weird staining. And I've I've put a bunch of stuff on it. I, I did some like heat testing. Not like I didn't push it past the threshold, but I put stuff on it just to heat it up for that could have just as easily gone in the microwave. Yeah. So good. 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 Silicone baking mats. I'm using mm pats or mm mats. Yeah, be, be, I would say be careful about sill pads. If you're buying sill pads on Amazon, they're probably fake. There are some problems with fake sill pads. I, I, I don't know if you've had these problems yet with your mm pads, but the the uh, uh, sometimes with the fake sill pads, even ones that are marked sill pad, they will burn. They'll burn and they'll discolor. So be a little careful. I, I think if you're going to buy sill pads, buy it from a, a, a known retailer. If you can, a, a brick and mortar locally. You know, I think they have these things at like Williams-Sonoma, um, I'm not that fancy. If you're going to buy an umpat, buy an umpat, uh, and, and mm, make Matt. it happen. Mm, oh yeah. Mm, Matt. Uh, but just know, just know if on Amazon or, or even eBay, there are a lot of fake sill pads and, and they're not going to last the real thing. I'll say the real thing they, they, they will last forever. They're fantastic. Uh, Andrew, Andrew, do me. I have another thing. Do it. My other thing is socks. Hmm. So you should I, wear those when you wear shoes. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, correct. My biggest fight with my second grader is not wearing socks when he wears shoes. Yeah, and it ruins it ruins the shoes. Uh, I spend a lot of my time in dress clothes, if not if not a suit, like dresses or yeah, yeah. Well, not sometimes, but that's actually a different conversation. It's less time, but yeah. Uh, if not a suit, then, then, then slacks, right? Dress pants. Um, and, and with dress pants, you, thou shalt wear dress socks. If you find yourself in dress pants, if you find yourself in khakis or anything or anything equally or more dressy than khakis, you should be wearing dress socks. Uh, uh, unless you're going sans socks, which is a thing. I, I don't object to it. But if you're wearing socks, they should be dress socks. Concur. Um, now, if you spend as much time in dress pants as I do, you will have realized that almost every single pair of dress socks that you can buy in the world suck. Socks suck. Um, dress socks tend to... Socks thing started. Yes. <laughs> Dress socks tend to, you know, they don't, the, the material's thinner, which means the stretchiness is less substantial, which means they stretch. Um, most of the time they come to, you know, at highest, the middle of your calf, more often just below your calf muscle, which means they hit that, like, they hit that expanding area as it's expanding. And so they're pushed down towards your ankle. Uh, the more discerning among, among you will know uh, of brands like Pantherella. Um, you, you know, very nice socks, oftentimes merino, sometimes fancier materials. Uh, but they're fucking expensive, right? As you we're talking about $65, $75 or more socks. And, and, and if you have a, a collection of Pantherellas, good on you. Uh, that's fucking rad. But... I, 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 it's not the, I'm just not going to spend $80 times the 20 pair of socks I need for my life. Uh, so I discovered, which are inherently destroyed through wear. 
Yes, but but also a good sock should last a very long time. Uh, I discovered a few years ago a brand called Bombas, and it recently became time for me to buy more socks. And so I got a, a new couple of sets of Bombas socks. And having been wearing Bombas for the last, I don't know, two or three years, I'm a convert. I'm a convert. Uh, these things are anywhere between $65 and $90, depending on what kind of sales they have going for four pair of socks. Now that's a lot. That's a lot for four pair of socks, even $65 on the low end. We're talking about, you know, $16, $17 per mm-hmm. pair of sock. Uh, that's a lot of money, but the, these things last. You're also buying two pairs of socks, right? Uh, when you buy Bombas, they do a match. It's two. They? It's two socks. No, 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 no. I mean, they they do like a donation. Doesn't Bombas do like a pair for pair? Oh, I'm not sure about that actually, Andrew. Uh, I I I'm not confident about that, I'm but it's look. possible. I'm gonna, while you talk, I'll look. But these things last forever. They sell a, a bunch of different socks. But if you go to Bombas, there's all sorts of stuff. I'm talking today about the Bombas dress socks. They were made both in like a, a tri blend. Uh, and, and also a merino wool version, which are obviously more expensive. The tri-blends are right now 63 and change uh, for four. And if you're in dress clothes, I cannot recommend more Bombas. They go above the calf or, or to just below the knee, which it, is... The, the thing you sent me was knee high and Bombas does one for one. When you buy a pair of socks, you're also buying another pair of socks, probably not a matching pair. They don't they do one for one purchased against donation. Uh, so for me, they come up to just below my knee, which is perfect. They sit above the calf. Um, and yeah, it's such a m- mundane thing to talk about, but I, it's real. It's real. If you're in dress clothes, get yourself a set of four Bombas. Just try them out. Fantastic, fantastic socks. I, I've been wearing these for years. Just refreshed my collection, so it's fresh on my mind. Love them. Decent colors. The materials are great. They last forever. They last forever. These are the most durable socks I think I've ever had. Always comfortable. They're thin. They're perfect. Do you like the knee high because it is more appropriate for the garter that you wear? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's kind of a sensual look. It is. Yeah. I mean, having seen you sans pants <laughs> wearing your shirt just sock garter. Uh, yeah, no, with, I mean, with actually, mid-calf versus like attached to the sock above the or below the knee socks. It's a, it's a better look when they're attached. To the I, sock. I realize you're being funny, but this that's actually a thing, right? Sock garters were a thing because prior to the invention of stretchy rubberized fabrics, socks just fell down. It just I, fell down. I had uh, shirt stirrups while mm. I was in the army to keep yep, my shirt from untucking because I got a little wild on the dance floor and yeah. keep it in place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, these are great. They're great. I, I highly recommend it. If you're in dress pants ever, get yourself some Bombas. That I think is probably my favorite value in socks. Oh, well, Bombas does like all manner. They don't just do like That's dress right. socks. They do all the socks and undies. That's right. It's a, it, it's kind of a neat company. And they do one for one donation, and it's all in support of unhoused um, 
donations to provide socks and socks and underwear, the number one requested item at all missions and other unhoused uh, support. Also, I will say if you, if you do have a badass collection of pantherellas, I, I, I'm curious about it because that's something that I've, I've always sort of thought about getting into and just never had the stomach for it. Send us a picture of yeah. your pantherella socks. Yeah, maybe not on your feet. That'd be right. Definitely not on your feet. If you send me feet pics, you will get blocked. <laughs> and we'll find a way to block downloads. Andrew, we've done it once again. We've redefined uh, several aspects of watches and watch collecting. Probably uh, probably forever. This is going to change the way people talk about watches. Disruptors. Are, are, is there anything you want to add? I'm out of things, man. You, you know, I, I'm glad because... Me too. Not that I don't want to hear you talk. I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of satisfied with where we've come. Feeling good. Hey, you guys, thank you for seriously. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Forty and Twenty, the Watch Clicker podcast. Why don't you check us out on Instagram at Forty and Twenty at Watch Clicker? But, but really, you should go to our website, WatchClicker.com. Check out the reviews. You can check out our YouTube video reviews from Will, the Watch Clicker. He does, he does some fucking dope videos, you guys. Great, great reviews, great article, watchclicker.com. If you want to support us at WatchClicker, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20 because we need money for this stuff, you guys. It's not a lot of money, and, and we don't get a lot of money, but we do need money for hosting hardware, software, etc. Those of you who are already patrons, we appreciate it so much. And otherwise, don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>